I was reading through the book of Chronicles, these kings that reigned after David, the things that they did right and the things that they did wrong. And as I was reading through the Bible, I saw there was one thing that hindered them in doing what was right and for them to do what was wrong. And I said, Lord, grant us the grace that we can help your people to be prepared to do the right things. Who, if you want to do the right thing, let me see your hand. Turn with me in your Bibles to 2 Chronicles 12. There's certain things, if you don't decide it before the time, when you're in that situation, you'll make a decision. So there's certain decisions that you have to make before the time. Let me talk to young people just to help you. If you're in that stage in your life where you want to start dating, want to go out with a young man or a young woman, if you don't decide before the time how far you are going to go and what you're going to allow in that relationship, in the heat of the moment, you will then decide what to do. And then you might make the wrong decision. But if you've made a decision before the time, this is what's on, this is what's not on. It's easier to make a decision in that moment. That means you have to make a decision in your heart. You have to set your heart upon the right things. In 2 Chronicles 12 verse 14, talking about King Rehoboam, it says, And he did evil. Because he did not prepare his heart to seek the Lord. The reason why he went astray, why he did evil, is because he didn't prepare his heart to seek God, to serve God, to love God. The Bible says in Psalm 91 verse 14, I think it says, Because he has set his love upon me, I will deliver him, I will help him. So you have to make a decision in your heart. To serve God. Not Kaisera, Sarah, okay, today I'm at church, it was a good sermon, let's see what happens tomorrow. No. You have to make a decision to serve God, to set your heart upon God. Are you ready this morning to set your heart upon God? You know, we had an encounter a while back. We attended a church function. Another church invited us. And uh, it was very nice and very pleasant and everything. But the majority of people were sitting there drinking. And we said, I asked the question, I said, what's the difference between this gathering here and a gathering in the world? People wouldn't know the difference. And I asked myself, did the people set their hearts on serving God, on loving God? I mean, if you can have a glass of wine, there's nothing wrong with that. You do according to your own conscience, but... That brother that's weak when it comes to wine. What are you doing to him? Paul says we shouldn't cause people to, to stumble. So we have to set a heart. If our hearts are not set upon holiness, upon God, we can move in the wrong direction. Remember there's one person that is favored by God. And that is Jesus Christ. There's one person that God loves more than anything. It's Jesus Christ. And when we are in Christ, we become highly favored. That's what draws God's attention. Just go to 2 Chronicles 16 verse 9. Let me just show you something there. For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is loyal to him. You have to ask yourself, do I have a loyal heart towards God? Our serving God starts with our heart. What is your heart's condition towards God? That's what the Bible says. Those with a pure heart will see God. 
And I was asking myself, Lord, in what do I have to change my heart? In what you have planned and predestined for me in the future? Go to 2 Chronicles 20, verse 33. Talks about Jehoshaphat, all the wonderful things that he did. But it says, nevertheless, the high places were not taken away. What high places are in your life? High places that's not pleasing unto the Lord. Things that you've exalted above God. It says, nevertheless, the high places were not taken away, for as yet the people had not directed their hearts to the God of their fathers. It says the people moved in the wrong directions because they did not make the decision to direct their hearts towards God. Many of us, our hearts are directed towards the wrong things. If we are preaching money the whole time in the church, we'll be directing your heart towards money instead of directing your heart towards God. Why should your heart be directed towards God? Because the thing that you worship, you will become like that thing. So if you are worshipping money, you'll become like money. The Bible says, secondly, in the book of Romans chapter 1, that thing that you worship, God will give you over to that thing. This is the challenge that we have in the church today when we are just preaching money. We are setting people's hearts upon money, training people in the church to be rich young rulers instead of being disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ. To be those to worship Him in spirit and in truth. Does that mean we shouldn't talk about money? No. Everything we read in the Old Testament concerning finances, concerning tithing, concerning the blessing, concerning the curse, that has to be viewed through Jesus Christ, what He had done upon the cross. If we don't view it through the cross and what Christ has done, I mean the work of grace, if we don't look at it through the work of grace, we are placing ourselves under the law. And the Bible says, when the law came, sin revived and I died. So turn with me in your Bibles to Galatians 3 verse 13. Who of you excited that I'm preaching on money? You know, let me say this, and I say this in humility. God has really given me a lot of revelation from His Scripture concerning finances. To teach on it and to preach on it. Because of this, the Lord told me not to share on finances too much. Because people are preaching too much on money and too little on salvation. Five years ago already, five or six years ago, the Lord challenged us in this church one morning. The Lord spoke into my heart. Because our things used to work differently. I used to call out everybody and then minister to them. And then we would preach. So the service became very long. So we said, okay, let's leave the announcements. That's why we don't do announcements. At the end, you'll see the announcements there on the overhead. Then the service still got long again. So I said, Lord, the only thing now is we cannot, we have to worship you. We have to preach the word. What is the other thing that's taking time? The Lord says your 10-15 minutes you spend on sharing on giving. Taking up an offering like people usually do. He says, don't do that anymore. Then I said to the elders, let's pray about this for a month and hear what God is saying. And we all came and we said, yes, we're not going to take up offerings anymore. Because when people give as born again Christians, you're not giving to a pastor. You're giving as unto the Lord. Amen. So... That's why for the past five, six years, that's just the way that we've been doing it. And God has been faithful. Amen. And we thank you for your faithfulness. We thank you for serving God and honoring God and worshiping God 
with your giving and household of Christ. Amen. So, let's go to Galatians 3 verse 13. When we start and we look at the issue, because we'll go to Malachi 3 now. Because this is the first thing that people do is, they say, if you don't give your tithes, you are cursed with a curse. And preachers often want to use that to manipulate people in giving with fear. This relationship is not based on fear. This relationship is based on love. Amen? Amen. So the Bible says in the book of Romans 3, verse 23, all of mankind has got the same problem. We have all fallen short of the glory of God because of sin. So the issue here is that we are not clothed with God's glory anymore. Adam and Eve, when they walked upon the earth, they were clothed with God's glory. When they sinned, the glory was removed. When Christ came back, He restored glory. Not just upon us, but also within us. If you go to 1 Samuel 4, verse 21, you don't have to go there. But the day the ark was captured and taken away, a child was born and the mother said, Because God's glory has left Israel, I'm going to call this child Ichabod. Which means God's glory has departed. When God's glory has departed, the blessing has left. Why are you here for healing, for deliverance, for salvation? You are asking God to manifest His glory back into your life. As soon as the glory is back in your life, your situation will change. So a curse is there where God's presence is not. That is a curse. When God's presence is not there. If a person is without God's presence, that person is cursed. Amen? Turn to the person next to you and say to them, The blessing is greater than the curse. The is than the curse. Tell them again, say, The blessing is greater than the curse. Because many people think the curse is greater than the blessing. No, the blessing is greater than the curse. Those that come and say, I have a family curse. When you come for deliverance, what are you asking? You're asking God to manifest His presence in your situation. Restore your presence back, Lord, in the situation. Then I know things will change. Galatians 3 verse 13. It says, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. The Message Bible says Christ has absorbed the curse. So the curse has been absorbed. The curse has been taken away. Amen? Amen. Is that what the Bible says? Jeremiah 17, verse 5 to 7 says, That cursed is the man who puts his trust in man. But blessed is the man who puts his trust in God. That's what Chronicle says. Set your heart upon God. As soon as you set your heart upon God, the blessing will enter into your life. As soon as your focus is upon Him that is righteous, unrighteousness will start to leave. And righteousness will start to enter. He is the light. As soon as you've set your heart upon that light, shades of darkness will start to be expelled in your life. Verse 14. That the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. What was the promise that was made to Abraham? The Holy Spirit. I'm restoring back glory into your life. That was the promise. Verse 15. 
Brethren, I speak in the manner of men, though it is only a man's covenant, yet if it is confirmed, no one annuls or adds to it. Now to Abraham and his seed were the promises made. It does not say, and to seeds, as of many, but as of one. And to your seed, who is Christ. Here's the blessing of Abraham. The Holy Spirit. God's very presence, His glory restored back into your life. What has God's plan been in your life from the beginning since Adam sinned? Was to restore glory back into your life. In every area of your life, God wants to restore glory. Okay, let me ask you this question. Does God want glory in your finances? You don't sound convinced. Does God want glory upon your finances? Yes. Yes. So God is not after your money. God is after your heart. To restore glory in every area of your life. That's why He came to remove the curse. To remove that which was hindering you and keeping you back. And he wants his glory, his presence in your life, in your family, in your children, in your business, in your mother-in-law, in in your father-in-law, in your finances. Amen. Amen. So be careful what you say, what you decree and declare over people. Turn to the person next to you and say to them again, the blessing is greater than the curse. Amen. So let's go to Malachi 3 now. So when we start talking about tithing or a tenth, it always refers to God's perfection, but it also refers to a test. This is the real test. How many commandments were there in the Bible? Ten commandments. How many plagues were there? Ten plagues. How many times were Jacob's wages changed by his uncle? Ten times. Isaac was the tenth challenge that the Lord gave Abraham, his tenth test to sacrifice his son. So the Bible says, verse 6, for I am the Lord, I do not change. You know, that is good news for all of us. That Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He cannot change. I don't know if you know why God cannot change, but the reason why God cannot change is because He's perfect. If he was not perfect, he would be able to change. But because he's perfect, he cannot change. He remains the same. Therefore, you are not consumed, O sons of Jacob. That's because of God's grace. Amen? Amen. You know, all of us are sons of Jacob. You know, Jacob was a deceiver. So he's saying, you deceiver, you're not consumed because I've not changed. I'm still full of grace, full of mercy, full of compassion, slow to anger. Yet from the days of your fathers, you've gone away from my ordinances. Ordinances are ordinary principles by which we live. So what he is saying is, is your fathers have taught you what to do. What was the right thing to do? But you've gone astray from these ordinary principles in your life. And have not kept them. Return to me. Return to me in your faith. Return to me in your family. Return to me in your finances. Return 
to me. Remember what Joshua said, as for me and my house, we will serve God. So he's saying to them, return back to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. But you said, in what way shall we return? Will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me, but you say, in what way have we robbed you? Let me tell you something. If you understand Galatians 3, that God wants to bring a blessing to you. He wants His presence in your life. When you rob somebody, you are taking away what is not yours. One of the biggest things we rob a God from, the living Jesus that wants to bless us, we rob Him from the opportunity to bless you, to get His presence, His glory upon your finances when you don't give. In what way have we robbed you? In tithes and offerings. You are cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me. Even this whole nation, bring all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. And try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such blessing, that there will not be room enough to receive it. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes, so that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground, nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit for you in the field, says the Lord of hosts. And all nations will call you blessed, for you will be a delightful land, says the Lord of hosts. So let me just ask you this. If God's glory, God's light is upon you, can darkness get close to it? So automatically when you give your tithes, God's blessing rests upon it. God's glory rests upon it. He says the tithe belongs to me. The tithe is holy. So if God's presence is upon your finances, automatically the devourer is rebuked. Because now it's darkness coming against light. But when that blessing does not rest upon it, the glory is not there. That's when the devourer can come. So all that God is doing, He's just helping you. He's aligning you, He's setting you up for success by saying, honor me with your first fruits. A matter of fact, tithes and offerings. Abraham was the first one who gave tithes. Melchizedek, in Genesis 14, out of a relationship. Melchizedek brought bread and wine, indicating covenant. This means that Abraham had the full revelation, understanding of atonement, the message of salvation. When he understood what Christ had done for him, he came and honored him with a tithe. He honored him with a tithe. So giving was out of a relationship, not a law. Moses is the law. You know what we do? We quote the blessings of Abraham, but then we read Moses and the law. Remember the law of Moses, Deuteronomy 28. If you do this, if you do this, if you do this, you'll get this and this and this and this. But if you don't, that law, that curse of the law has been absorbed by Christ now. So your giving just reflects your heart, your relationship that you have towards God, in whom you are putting your trust. Amen? Amen. One of the reasons why you should give your tithe is so that the pastor can spend more time in prayer, in Bible reading, in studying the Word, so that you can receive a good diet. You know, if you're not receiving good preaching, if you're not receiving good food, you should ask yourself, have I been a good tither? 
You know, if, if you like chicken burgers and Joey's chicken burgers is here next door and here is Nando's and you like Nando's, you don't order at Nando's and eat their burgers and go and pay by Joey's chicken burgers. Some people think, oh, shame, Joey's chicken is not doing so well. Let me just give my tithe there. No. You know what? If you are eating good food here, somebody is paying for it. So it must be a mutual relationship. Mutual trust, mutual sacrifice, mutual commitment. Amen. You know, one thing I know, I want my money to be blessed. Amen. I want God's presence upon my finances. Amen. The Bible says when the first part is sanctified, blessed, the whole lump gets sanctified as well. So by giving that 10%, the first fruit that belongs to God, God says, I place my presence upon the rest. Now, I'd rather have 90% with God's glory and God's presence upon it than 100% not with God's presence, not with God's glory. Let's go to Deuteronomy 26, verse 1. The Bible says in Matthew 5, 17, Do not think it that I came to destroy the law or the prophets. I did not come to destroy, but to fulfill. In Leviticus 27, verse 30, the Bible says that tithe belongs to God. Verse 1. And it shall be when you come into the land which the Lord your God has given you as an inheritance, and you possess it and dwell in it, that you shall take some of the first of all the produce of the ground, which you shall bring from your land that the Lord your God is giving you, and put it in a basket and go to the place where the Lord your God chooses to make his name abide. Let me just say that, what was the first city that the Israelites took captive in the promised land? The first city that they ever faced? Joshua and them marched around it? Jericho. Why were they not allowed to inhabit Jericho? Because Jericho was the first city of the land and God said, the first of everything, of all your increase, belongs to me. That city is mine, all the other cities is yours. Giving the first fruit. Go to verse 13. Then you shall say before the Lord your God, I have removed the holy tithe from my house. As soon as something is holy, it means God is involved. When God created from the first to the sixth day, everything that he created, he said it was good. But when he created the seventh day, the Sabbath day, he said it was holy. So as soon as something is holy, it means God is personally involved. You as his people, you are holy. The Bible says the tithe is holy. That means God is involved. Amen. Amen. It belongs to God. And also have given them the Levite, the stranger, the fatherless, and the widow, according to all your commandments which you have commanded me. I have not transgressed your commandments, nor have I forgotten them. I have not eaten any of it when in the morning, nor have I removed any of it for an unclean use, nor given any of it for the dead. I have obeyed the voice of the Lord my God, and have done according to all that you have commanded me. Look down from your holy habitation." From heaven and bless your people Israel and the land which you have given us just as you swore to our fathers, a land flowing with milk and honey. Amen. So we're seeing this year in the Old Testament how God's people would come and give their tithes. This presence of God is what brought the fear of God upon those around them where they could see God's blessing. Let me say this, tithing is not a quick-rich scheme. Amen? It's not something to bargain and to deal with God. 
I've heard people say, oh Lord, give me 10 million rand. I'll give you a million. You know, the, the mafia here in Joburg will do a better deal than that. At least they'll go 50-50. Money is here to reveal our hearts. Amen. 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 You know, your, your hands is an extension of your heart. If you understand the purpose of blessing, turn to the person next to you and say, I'm blessed to be a blessing. You know, you have to ask yourself the question, if Jesus Christ said, you must tithe, will you tithe? Because many people say, tithing is not in the New Testament. Matthew 23, verse 23, Jesus said, these you ought to have done, without leaving the others undone. Referring to tithes. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you pay tithes and mint and anise and cumin and have neglected the weightier matters of the Lord, justice and mercy and faith. These you ought to have done without leaving the others undone. Now, I don't know, you can read that scripture anyway. It means you're going to have to still continue to give your tithes. These you ought to have done, which is all those other things, without leaving the others undone. So whatever way you read it, you cannot leave one of those out. So if Jesus told us to tithe, we should tithe. You know, Christ expects our very best because God the Father Himself gave His very best. Amen? If we look at the book of Hebrews 7, from verse 1 to 7, you can go read there. Mortal men gives their tithes. They are giving their tithes. But it's Christ Himself that's receiving it. So when you are giving, you are giving as unto the Lord. You're not giving unto a man. You give unto the Lord. Amen? In faith. Giving your very best. Go to 2 Chronicles 31 verse 5. Let me say this when it comes to money. People make such a big thing about money. According to the word of God, money is entry level commitment for any Christian. In the book of Luke 16, God says, how can I entrust you with true spiritual riches if you're not faithful with money? If you're not faithful with money, decide who you're going to serve. Money or Jesus. If you go read the Bible, every time this question will come up, serving Jesus and serving money. If you look at the man at the gate beautiful, Peter and John said to him, silver and gold we do not have. He's sitting there expecting money from them. They're saying to him, silver and gold we do not have. But what we have in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, get up and walk. You're looking for a temporary solution, money. We are bringing a permanent solution, Jesus Christ, into your life. With this presence in your life, money will now come to you. Amen. Amen. He got up, started dancing, he was happy, he could enter into the presence of God. You know what is the sad thing? He was leaning against gate beautiful. Gate beautiful is Jesus Christ himself. It means this man is leaning against Christ, but he's looking towards money. Instead of looking at the gate that could allow him passage into God's presence. So many people today are paralyzed, leaning against Christ, looking at money. But God wants to lift you up out of that situation. Simon the sorcerer, the same thing, is looking upon money. Ah, oh, give me some of this anointing, this holy... I want to also want to fill people with, with the Holy Spirit, because then I can make money again. What are people doing today? They want to sell the anointing. God's presence, it's a wicked, evil thing. Then people come and they say, money is the same in the natural as what the anointing is in the spirit. 
The love of money is the root of all evil. The love of God's presence is the root of every good thing, every perfect thing. You cannot compare money to God's presence. The biggest mistake that you can do is to compare your spirituality with the amount of money that you've got. The truth is, when it comes to money today, people will much easier part with their money than part with their sins. So they want to give big amounts, but pastor, don't say anything about my adultery. Pastor, I'm giving this amount, but don't say anything about this. But this money is holy. Verse 5. As soon as the commandment was circulated, the children of Israel brought in abundance the first fruits of grain and wine, oil and honey, and all of the produce of the field. And they brought in abundantly the tithe of everything. A tithe of everything. 10% of everything they brought into the storehouse of the Lord so that there could be abundance. You know, it's still applicable to us today as well. Number one, first fruit belongs to God. Turn to the person next to you and say, first fruit belongs to God. Secondly, tithing belongs to God. Okay, then after that, there is free will offerings that you can make. You decide that anytime you can give that. Amen? And then there's seed offerings. Sometimes God will challenge you to sow a seed in tears to reap in joy. Yes, sometimes you, you sit in a situation where you need 10 rand for a situation, but you only have 7 rand. Or five rand. Then God will say, okay. God will speak into your heart. Sow that seed. And you know you're sowing it in tears. But you are reaping in joy. When you do that in faith. Amen. Amen. And I can give you many testimonies like that. I'm sure there are many of you that can give many testimonies like that. It's important to understand. That God is not after your money. God is after your heart. God wants to restore His glory, His presence into your life. Go to Deuteronomy 14 verse 22. You shall truly tithe all the increase of your grain that the field produces year by year. So, let me give you some advice. So, if you're earning a salary and you have your own business, then you tithe on that salary monthly. But in the end of your year end... When you've had an increase in your business, then you should tithe there as well. Then you have the presence on your personal finances, God's glory, and you'll have that presence on your business as well. I set certain targets for myself, things that I want to do for the kingdom. At a stage I had a partner, we decided, okay, let's pay the radio ads for the church. Let's pay the rent of the school hall. Let's pay that for the church. And I would give myself certain goals like that. To trust God for that every month. So in your business, you have an opportunity for God to bless your business. If God's presence comes into that business, you'll find clients coming to you. And I can just see the grace of God where God has opened doors. And we cannot boast in that. But it's just God's grace opening doors, allowing you to do things that other people will never do. People will look and say, but I'm better educated than this person. I've got more experience than this person. Why has this person received the promotion? It's God's presence. 
God's favor upon that person's life. I remember there was, there's a lady, she worked for a bank, they had certain targets. I mean, their targets were something like 12 or 13% growth a year. She would, every year, she would grow by 30%. People would say, how do you do it? She says, I'm a tither. That was, that was the advice she could give them. But you know, people in the world, they don't want to hear that market strategy. No, come and teach us and tell us what we should do. Just start giving your tithe and you'll see. It's God's presence, it's God's grace helping me to do what I'm doing. Ecclesiastes 5 verse 4. Many times when you give your free will offerings, I want to give this advice to people because I've seen many people become frustrated in giving to God because of this. Many times I'll sit with people and I say, Pastor, I've been giving my tithes every month, but the breakthrough is not coming. Things are not changing. Why? And I often asked him, I said, I know you are a faithful tither. So the problem is not with God. The problem lies with us. Then oftentimes I would ask them, when you ask God for one project or something, did you make a promise to God that you were going to do something with the money? And then I always see their faces go like this. Because what we do as men, as women, often, we say, Lord, Give me this contract. If you give me this contract, I'm going to do this and this and this for the kingdom. Lord, just give me this thousand rand contract. I'm not going to give a hundred rand. I'm going to give two hundred rand. And then when the time when you have to give the two hundred, then something has happened and you just give the hundred. Look at what the Bible says. When you make a vow to God, do not delay to pay it, for He has no pleasure in fools. Pay what you have vowed. Verse 5. Better not to vow than to vow and not to pay. So, don't be quick to make promises. God hears it. God hears it. Lord, when you give me this big transport contract, I'm going to build a church. Lord, when, you, when I get this big contract housing project, I'm going to support missionaries. Lord, when I get this, I will give food for that. And we are quick to make those promises. Then we get those contracts. Then they don't come. Remember, it's a free will offering. God didn't say, you must give it. You decided you want to give it. Remember David. David had built a beautiful house. And when he was in his house, he said, Why am I in this beautiful house and God hasn't got a house? I want to build a house for the Lord. Did God tell David to build a house? No. God was happy in the tent with his presence there. With his people coming to worship him. But it was in David's heart to build God a house. Then God said, David, because you wanted to build a house for me, I will now build your house. The vow that he made, he kept that vow. He kept that vow. That's why God loves him so much. 6. Do not let your mouth cause your flesh to sin, nor say before the messenger of God that it was an error. Why should God be angry at your excuse and destroy the work of your hands? Verse 7. For in the multitude of dreams and many words there is also vanity, but fear God. Fear God is to hate sin. Amen. You cannot now come to the pastor and say, oh, Pastor, please release me from this promise. Did you make the promise to me or did you make the promise to God? You want to get me now in trouble with you? You go before God and you ask God for wisdom what to do in that situation. So I spoke like a foolish person, Lord, please release me. You'll know if the peace is there that you are released or you're not released. That money is holy. You cannot ask me to release you from that. It's like in the same coming to me and asking me, can I divorce my wife? You made the promise to your wife before God, not to me. Now you want me to release you from that promise. You're going to get me in trouble with you. 
Want me to become a partaker of your sin? No, 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 thank you. Let's go to 1 Chronicles 29 verse 10. Uh, go to verse 2. Here's David. You know, when I look at this, David said, I want to build a house for God. The prophet says, okay, David, because you wanted to build a house for me, I'm going to bless you. Generation after generation, the king will be on the throne because of what you want to do for me. But David, you can build this. Thank you for having this desire, but you're not allowed to get involved with any of the construction because there's blood on your hands. You've killed too many people. Now I'm thinking, this is the man who brought peace to Israel on all four corners, who, who possessed the land so that everybody can be in peace. And now God says, I don't want you to touch the building of the temple. You know, he can very easily get offended. He says, okay, well, Solomon, you go ahead and you build it. But no, he didn't. He prepared everything for his son to make it easy. Look here what the Bible says. Now for the house of my God I have prepared with all my might. Are you giving with all your might? David says, I gave with all my might. Gold for things to be made of gold, silver for things of silver, bronze for things of bronze, iron for things of iron, wood for things of wood, onyx stones, stones to be said, stones of various colors, all kinds of precious stones and marble slabs in abundance. Moreover, apart from this, because I have set my affection on the house of my God, I have given to the house of my God over and above all that I have prepared for the holy house, my own special treasures of gold and silver. If you go to 2 Samuel 24 verse 24, you'll see David says, I will never offer anything unto the Lord that cost me nothing. He says, I'll never just bring something which is cheap. And expect the Lord to be grateful. When God the Father gave Christ, it cost him everything. This morning I just quickly looked in the Dakes Bible. What the people gave was 166 million US dollars. The people of Israel when they came, they gave 166 million US dollars. That's about 1 billion rand. That's a lot of money. That's some, you can see the people gave with everything. You know what the Bible, it says about David, apart from this 166, where he was involved in, in his personal capacity, he gave a hundred million US dollars. That's 800 million rand that he gave in his personal capacity. This guy didn't play when it came to giving. <laughs> he was not even going to see this temple with his own eyes. But he said, Lord, I'm committed to your holy house. Look at this man's attitude. Go to verse 12. Both riches and honor come from you, and you reign over all. In your hand is power and might. In your hand it's to make great and to give strength to all. You know, when I read this, I was so happy when I said, strength to all. This is not just for some. This is for everybody. He says, now, therefore, O God, we thank you and praise your glorious name. But who am I and who are my people that we should be able to offer so willingly as this? For all things come from you and of your own we have given you. What was he saying? He was saying this which we are giving to you. What is it, Lord? Are you not the one who has blessed us with this? When we come and we offer our time to the Lord, 
okay, I'm giving my time to the Lord. Is the Lord not the one who has given you the time that you can give it to Him? Hmm? When you are serving, who's giving you that strength to serve? Is it something that you can boast in? So even when it comes to finances, God has given all of that to you. All He asks is 10%. Honor me with 10%. And even His motives in that is not to get your money. His motive is to get His presence on the rest of your money. God is not after your money. God is after your heart. You know what's one of the first things that people do when they get offended? Not giving my money there anymore. Who do you think you're spiting? God. God doesn't need your money. <laughs> the person you are spiting is yourself. When you don't give. The only thing when you don't give, what it reveals, is your own heart. That's all. So, I hope you've been blessed. I hope you've been encouraged to, to make sure that you give everything. When you give, be aware of God's presence. You know, many of us, the Bible says, bring the tithes. Not give it, bring it. Because it's not yours, it belongs to God. But we as God's people now, we are worshipping in spirit and in truth. Some people prefer bringing it to the church, others prefer doing EFTs. Whatever works for you. But as you do that, know, you've got God's attention. You've got God's grace, God's mercy upon your finances. That mercy will speak for you. That favor will speak for you. Amen. Selah. Precious Father, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your mercy. We thank you.